walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to yet another episode of the Shock Factor podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by the very much shirted Jordan Schusterman and the very much unshirted Jake Mintz. Fellas, how are we doing today? I'm doing topless, Steve. It is a little bit steamy here in Ciudad Nueva York, and I don't feel like turning on my AC yet because I'm cheap, and therefore uh, that's how you get colder is you just take off your shirt, and because this is a podcast, no one will get mad. Also, I just hit a walk-off home run, and so all my friends came and took my shirt. Uh, to that point, Jake, by the way, great to be back with you, you fellas. Um, you know, it does make me wonder how many podcasts have been recorded shirtless without it being acknowledged. You know, it's it's a medium where it didn't doesn't have to be you know mentioned off the rip, but now everyone can know that uh, Jake's nipples are out as we are talking about college baseball on the evening of April 16th. So keep that in mind as you proceed forward with us on this episode of The Shock Factor. But I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk ball. I know we've all uh, had different, uh, you know, raging, uh, a range of experiences um, when it comes to watching ball this weekend. But we have a lot to get to, gentlemen. And I believe we should start down in wonderful Fayetteville, Arkansas, where Jake's favorite call, his favorite chant in college baseball, he loves it. All, all Jake talks about is how much he loves this. <laughs> That's why I took suey. my shirt off because I was getting hot and steamy just thinking about Woo Pig Suey. Which, <laughs> let me just quickly say this about Woo Pig Suey before we mm-hmm. give the Arkansas Razorbacks some credit. It's not top of the charts irritating, it's the fact that they do it after anything, anything. They get a, an, a walk and they'll Woo Pig Suey. So if you see a Razorbacks win, you might get up to like 87 Woo Pig Sueys, mm-hmm. okay? And it just gets into your head, and it is just rough, rough stuff. But the reason we all know about it is because they keep winning baseball games, and Steve, they won three very impressive baseball games this weekend, sweeping the Tennessee Vols out of town. I watched a good chunk of the series. I don't know how much you watched, but what were your your takeaways here? Because this was a little impressive little show. The from key the takeaway is in the weekly picks for D1 baseball, I thought maybe I could sneak sneak my way ahead a little bit. Maybe Tennessee sneaks sneaks out a series win here. So in, in efforts to get ahead in the standings, I picked them. I knew it was a risk, high risk, high reward. Unfortunately, the risk fell flat. It did not work out in my favor. I I just I'm perplexed by Tennessee with how they have the starting pitching they have, and they can't piece together wins. You know, because coming into the season, I thought they wouldn't lose a single series just on talent alone. So it's interesting. Maybe the team's not meshing the way that everybody kind of thought they would, and now we're kind of at a weird spot for the Tennessee baseball program. Steve, you make a great point because Coach Herb Brooks in in Miracle once said, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. And Tennessee does. (laughs) They do have enough talent to win on talent alone, or at least we thought they did. And they're kind of the big story, at least for us, for this week, is this is a team that captured our attention and headlines all of last season. And now finds itself very much in, I wouldn't say the outside looking in, but definitely on the bubble at 23 and 13 with a five and 10 record in conference. Yes, Jake. And I, you, you know, you mentioned Steve. Okay. They have, uh, they do have the talent, right? feels like the Burns beam Dolander trio would just be impenetrable once again. Now, it's probably worth understanding that last year went about as well as it could in terms of those three guys in a way where, like, it wasn't like as talented as those guys were. They weren't necessarily coming into last season thinking that those were the three going to be the best pitching staff in the country, and it turned out to be. But also, we knew how different the offense was going to be. And clearly the issue is that offensively, it is just not the same group, certainly on the road, that travels the same way that it did last year. We're obviously they'll kick the shit out of everyone at home and Lindsey Nelson, 
but it is just not really traveling uh, away. Uh, and, and as you know, they only put up two runs on Friday, three runs on Saturday, two runs on Sunday. The pitching wasn't great, but it wasn't catastrophic. Chase Burns bumped out of the rotation. They're just all out of sorts. And the reason why I wanted to start with Tennessee is the fact that if you look at their resume, I, I you know, again, talent alone, I'm fine keeping them in the top 25, but you look at their season and, and Jake, you know, look back at their schedule. What, what impresses you about what Tennessee has accomplished this year? Uh, Steve, like what, what, if you had to look at their, what they've accomplished here, they're 23 and 13 overall, five and 10 in the SEC. What is like the, the feather in their cap, so to say, for, for their resume? What, what would you say that it is? Um, See, that's, that's where it's tough because I don't really have a great answer for you. You know, yeah. like last year at this juncture in the season, I could tell you, oh, they did this, they did that. But right now it's like they, they have really cool pitchers. Um, it, it's just they're in such a difficult situation because it's so hard to replace the production they had last season. And with how loud the production was last season, a lot of people were rooting for them to kind of be cursed with one of these seasons. And it, it kind of stinks that it's it seems to be happening in that way. Steve, pop quiz. Uh, at this point last year, what was Tennessee's record? They only had about two losses. Yes, they were they were uh, they were a cool thirty three and three. Um, and so that is not their record this year, as I just said. But but Jake, I mean, yeah, looking at it, like what are we what are we excited about on this resume? Blake they Burke. A and M at home. I'm excited about Blake Burke and the concept of him, and yep. the concept of the rotation. And I'm excited about the idea that they can still go out and beat some good teams in the SEC. Them getting in, if the, I'm just saying, like if the season ended today, it'd be a problem for them. They still have a chance to kind of salvage their season. They still have three against Vanderbilt, three against South Carolina, and three against Kentucky. Like if they can go above 500 in those games, win one or two, probably two of those three series, and then take care of business against Mississippi State and Georgia, they're going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, to be fair to them, they're currently three-fourths of the way through the toughest stretch in the SEC you can have, <laughs> which is LSU, Florida, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, right? I mean, I, I guess South Carolina you could throw in that mix now too, but, like, that's about as rough of a, of a run as you're yeah, going to have. Yeah, but, like, if you want to so, – like, you got to win them. Like, if exactly. you want to be like good, if we want to consider you one of a, a top-ten team like we still did – you got to be better than what they've been. And it's not like a surprise. Oh, wow, man, the SEC schedule and conference right, is right, right, tough. Right. Jeez. Right, right. No, that's definitely true. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not saying that their season is toast. But, like, they are going to have to start doing some more impressive things soon. Yes, it gets easier from here. I just think that that's going to have to happen or they're going to be in, in a very interesting place as far as a resume come the end of the season. Now, on the flip side, guys, I mean, Arkansas. We've spent very, very little time talking about Arkansas, and it's not just because Jake hates Wu Pig Suey. Um, I love it. Who on who on who on Arkansas uh, impresses you the most? I certainly have one that, that comes to mind that I was tweeting a little bit about this weekend. But who would you like to to shout out on Arkansas? I I know we're gonna say the same person here, so I'll, I'll let you say it because I know you go on the rosters and click the little ear, the earpiece that tells you the proper <laughs> pronunciation. So. Instead of doing harm by saying a name wrong, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you roll with this one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. It, oh, is it oh, Jace, oh, it, 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 Jace Borfin, Jace Borfin. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's, See, this is a tough one though. This is one that I've 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 heard many different ways. Borofin, I've heard, but I'm pretty sure it is Borfin. Pretty pretty straight, almost two syllables, closer to three. Borofin. This dude's awesome. He was an awesome high school player, really famous, top 50 type high school player in Oklahoma. Went to Oklahoma, wasn't great as a freshman. Transferred to Arkansas, was injured last year. And now he's just one of the best players in the SEC. And it seems like it took until this weekend for everybody to finally notice. He's hitting 402. He's got 10 homers. He's got uh, you know almost as many walks as strikeouts. He's playing excellent defense in the outfield. And he's just been their best hitter. It's basically him, who's like a regular 21-year-old junior, and then Jared Wegner, who I believe is a Creighton transfer, uh, I think. Uh, I know he's a, one, of, one of their older players, and he's been he's been outstanding. He's leading the team in home runs. Uh, but, Jake, for, from what you've seen from Arkansas, is there any other guys that stand out? I know Tavian Josenberger, that was my guy. fun name there. Tavian Josenberger. Yeah. And what I like about this team is how many transfers they have. Right, this, 
they went to Omaha last year and they lost a lot of that core, except for basically what Stovall and Slavens, mm -hmm. I guess are the two hitters that are back. And they went out and just completely reloaded to the point that if you look at their lineup, right? Like Slavens is hitting fifth, you know, mm -hmm. Josenberger first, Stovall is hitting second, Borif in third, and then a kid named Kendall Diggs, who I believe is a sophomore, but I didn't play a whole lot uh, last season, is hitting fourth. So this team is legit. They'll, you know, they could just win the SEC, and it wouldn't be particularly surprising. Um, do they play LSU? Are they on the schedule for them? When is that series? That series is uh, in two weeks from now. I will be locked into that. No, they already did play LSU. What am I talking about? Yes, that was, I believe, the first or second series um, yeah. at LSU. They got... They, just, they won they ran that out of first pitching. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it got a little sloppy after that. I still don't really know what to make of the Arkansas pitching besides Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith. Uh, but, like, they really seem to figure it out. Like, I just trust them even though, uh, the, you know, the, the numbers on the pitching staff are not that impressive. And last thing about them is, so their next three SEC series at Georgia, Texas A&M, and at Mississippi State, they're already 11-4 and four in conference. Those are three super winnable series for them. And oh, so yeah. they could really pull away with this. Yep. Yeah, and I agree. They, they just have so many different guys who can step up in big ways. And I know Jared Wagner, I think he broke his thumb this weekend. Mm, so they bad. said his time frame's about three to four weeks. But, I mean, if you think about it, he takes three to four weeks off. This team has to find ways to win without essentially one of the, one of the two biggest pieces of their lineup. So – if they can figure out how to win without him and then come playoff time, he's back. I, I don't see why this team couldn't couldn't make a pretty pretty deep run. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. No, I, I – I, right. It, it, they don't have – again, I think Borfin deserves more love, but he's not necessarily like a super-duper star of college baseball. So they don't really have those guys, and that's why we haven't paid nearly enough attention to them. But at this point, like you said, Jake, like they've already kind of done the hard – if I kind of gun most of the work already. So they are in very, very, very good shape. All right, let's get away from the SEC and get to Steve's uh, giblet ticklers of the week. Steve, who's doing some tickling this week? So any long-term fan of the podcast can tell you that this whole segment was founded on the idea, on the hashtag from the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, make them feel you. And we based it, what if we had a segment on which team made us feel them the most? And then that ultimately turned into the giblet ticklers, which has come full circle back to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Because, you know, I mentioned them, their name, Wake Forest Baseball right now is pretty synonymous with Rhett Lauder because he's an incredible pitcher. He is one of the best in college baseball, sure, no doubt. Is he the best right now on Wake Forest? I don't really know because Sean Sullivan exists, and a lot of people don't even know about him because he's he's just quietly going about his business. He's He's got short hair, so it's a little different, but he's working his way into one of the better ERAs in college baseball. I think he's, like, top five in the nation right now with a 1.56, I want to say, which you got that and then Rhett Louder on a weekend and you got to beat both of them to win a series. I, I don't think that's going to happen very often this year. Yeah. I just love that. Uh, so first of all, um, he did have like his first semi not amazing outing against Louisville this weekend. So the ERA has ballooned to two Oh five, but Oof. what stands out about, I know. So, you know, pack it in this guy's season's over. Uh, the thing about Sean Sullivan that is so amazing and you know, he's, he's left-handed so you know you got the you got the righty lefty uh, action with compared to louder. Um, Sean Sullivan does not throw very hard, and Sean Sullivan does not even really have like a so louder's known for his changeup, but he's still you know pumping it in there pretty good. Sean Sullivan just has he's got the invisible, he's got the magic fastball that nobody can touch, and he has impeccable command, and he's just throwing it in there, and they have no idea what to do with it, and that is why he has 74 strikeouts and nine walks which is in just 44 innings, which for someone who just does not throw that hard and is throwing mostly fastballs is amazing. And I love Sean Sullivan because scouts have no clue what to do with this. 
just as much as hitters don't. <laughs> Everyone is watching Sean Sullivan and saying, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do. I do not know how to react. I do not know how to think or to feel. And uh, that is a, a hell of an achievement. And when you combine what's, what Josh Hartle's done as well uh, behind him, I mean, yeah, they are they are amazing. For all we'll talk about, you know, Rake Forest, the reason they are maybe the best team in the country uh, is because of those three pitchers. So I love it. They are definitely they're, – they're tickling my giblets too, Steve. I'm right there with you, my guy. Good. It's always better to get your giblets tickled with people you know and trust. So <laughs> thank you for being there with me while – while the boys from Winston-Salem and uh, Coach Moose's pitching staff, you know, tickle our giblets. Uh, Jake Forrest, any thoughts on Wake Forrest? Um, I like the idea of a non-SEC team being number one in the country. And for that reason, I am hoping that either this week or the next, they can supplant LSU atop the college baseball world. I think if Wake had taken that th- the third win there, they would have gotten it pretty fairly. I still think it's an open question between those two teams. And I am impressed that Wake has elevated themselves into that stratosphere because heading into the season, it felt like LSU was in a class of its own where they had such dynamic talent on both sides of the ball. Wake Forest is the only team really that can challenge that level of stardom on both sides, right? And to see them actualize that talent and make our colleague Aaron Fit sound smart, love to hear that. Not fake forest, wake forest. No, last thing I would say on them is like, their remaining ACC schedules are, ACC series are Pitt, Boston College, Florida State, Virginia Tech. So they could finish with, I know Virginia Tech probably, you know, Boston College is kind of, had an uneven season, but certainly impressive. They could finish with a pretty ridiculous record <laughs> going into the ACC tournament. They're thirty-one and five right now, twenty and one at home, fourteen and three in conference. So yeah, shouts out to Wake Forest. They are outstanding, and remember, have not been to the College World Series since nineteen fifty-five. Holy shit! Let's move on to the other teams that caught our attention this week before we take a break. Um, Jake, I know. The LSU-Kentucky series uh, caught your attention. This was a wacky one. Uh, and LSU, we, we mentioned, what is it going to take to kind of knock LSU off the top spot? It's like every week there's like, where it's like we're getting there. Oh, is, are they going to blow it? Oh, is this? And then they do just enough and they win the series and it's fine. But you were pretty impressed by Kentucky, it seems. Yeah, that team is real. Like they could have gone in to Baton Rouge and, and, and folded. Even in the final game, like even the game they lost – on Saturday that I watched a good amount of, you know, a seven to six loss in the third game of a series against the number one team in the country for a program that I think was not on a lot of people's radars heading into the year. That's super impressive. Um, I am particularly, and then the, the, the Friday game in game two, they were down, right? Wasn't it like seven to two, six to two. And they scored a, just a boatload of a boatload of unanswered runs before holding on later in that game. I want to shout out Jackson Gray, a player uh, on Kentucky who is their leadoff man. He's hitting 328 and playing center field. Ready for this, Steve? Jackson Gray was a freshman at Wash U in St. Louis the year after I graduated. We played what? for the same college baseball team one year apart, which is really nuts to think about. He played there as a freshman and then transferred, I believe, to Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky, Western. Western Western Kentucky, one of the Kentucky directions uh, for a couple of years and then made his way to Kentucky, Kentucky, where he's just leading off for a top 25 team. And here I am shirtless recording a college baseball podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's fun. You know, why not? That That's crazy that someone you play with is still in the game. Not just, yeah. not, not just calling you old, but you didn't play for six years. Like, you didn't really, really hang on at the end there. Yeah. That, that's Thanks. impressive. But I I really like uh, Ryder Giles with uh, with Kentucky, the ECU transfer. Yeah, tell I, me he's about a, He's a fellow weird arm <laughs> slot guy on the mound, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced he's a two-way. I could be going crazy, but I, I'm pretty certain. Yeah, no, no, no. One second. Yeah, no. he's a two-way, but – 
Uh, he if might by two-way you mean he has one at, one at bat and that at bat was a sack bunt, which is, appears to be the case. That's Otani, <laughs> which, baby. It, which it looks like he executed it, which... That's two ways. Yeah, that's not... Did the ball go away from the plate? And does the ball go towards the plate when he throws? Then two ways, you know? That's just the way it goes. But I, I just like him because he's a weird arm slot guy, you know? I like ECU. I like... I like weird arm slot guys. There's a lot there to like. There's a lot there to like for you, Steve. Um, I last thing I'll say, I am excited for the Kentucky South Carolina series. Uh, I believe it is the last second to last series of the year um, because we will have uh, the Petre Petri showdown. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce that one. Yes, Emilian Petre. He's he's from Quebec. I yeah, believe. Emilian Petre against mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Petri. Okay, mm-hmm. Petri Petre showdown there. Make sure you keep an eye on that. Last thing about Kentucky, uh, they have a kid named Chase Stanky who was hitting like 180 and then just went yard against LSU. I, was his a grand slam? Yeah, I think he's the kid who had the grand slam for LSU um, and went three for four for them in that second game. So, shouts out to Kentucky. Uh, I would. Can I talk about the America Beast now, or do you want to? Please. Well, I, I. Well, we need to talk about Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Yeah. Um. But let's finish with that. Let, let's take a take an America Beast detour. So go ahead, and then we'll finish with uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. The two best teams in the America Beast, a conference that my very own friend Stephen Shock lit up with his joy and tomfoolery for a number of years. Two best teams are Binghamton and Maine, and I don't think that's particularly debatable. And this season. The unmovable object and the unstoppable force, you know, collided with one another. Where did they collide with one another? At the very expensive baseball stadium that Binghamton randomly has in upstate New York, where it's $60 million. And no one knows who paid for it. Sure. Not weird at all. Uh, They played three games. Maine won the first two by an identical score of five to four. And then... Binghamton came back in game three and won 18 to 17 without hitting a homer, which is just awesome. They walked only nine times, which is lower than you'd think, given the circumstances. Maine only made one error. They just strung together 14 well-timed hits and they won the game (laughs) 18 to 17. But I do want to shout out Maine here for going on the road to the expensive house that anonymous donor built in Binghamton, the reigning America Beast champion, and showing all of the America Beasties that this main Black Bears team is for for real, and they are led by like a legitimate dude named Quinn McDaniel. Jordan, how much have you thought or do you know about Quinn McDaniel? I am all in. This dude uh, who crushed the NECBL last year, he's one of the youngest draft eligible players um, this year. He's a barely he's he's a junior, but he's really, really, really young for his class. And if you watch, you can find a bunch of highlights of him because Maine's tweeting out all of his hits. But his stat line is amazing on its own. He's hitting 394. He's got nine homers, 42 walks to 20 strikeouts. I don't know if he's leading the country in walks, but he's certainly in the top five. But if you watch him, he is not a big guy, but he's basically like a right handed Stephen Kwan in terms of the it's not that much contact but like it's the same leg kick and the same kind of bat control and pull side power that's honestly probably even more than Quan, honestly uh, at least to some degree at least at, maybe at the same stage of their careers and he's just super impressive this guy's going to get drafted in the top five or six rounds because model teams are going to be shitting their pants over this guy who is you know not even close to 21 on draft day has double the walks to strikeouts with legitimate like reasonable power and, and just fi- such a fun player and 15 steals yeah and 15 steals such a fun player to watch if you've not looked up video of just Quinn McDaniel on Twitter just just an amazingly fun swing <laughs> and just everything about it I'm I was in before the season started and it's gone even more than I, I could have possibly hoped so um, yeah, Maine. Maine. <laughs> I know they're still riding off the Jeremy Pena wave as they should, um, but as Jeremy Pena is, uh, you know, a little bit slow to start the year in Houston. Sorry, talking about Major League Baseball. It's okay. They have Quinn McDaniel, and that is all good. That is the America Beast. Uh, Steve, I, I know you have America Beast thoughts. Anything there before we go to Ole Miss, Mississippi State? 
I would just like to comment, this is also a showdown of two of my favorite, well, I haven't been to the new Binghamton Stadium, but I've been to Maine Stadium, and I, I like their field, and I'm sure Binghamton's new place is awesome. So it was a real battle of cool fields, too. I know the fields didn't play each other, but if you look up Maine's field, it really looks like kind of like a backyard baseball field of, like, you know, the one in the back of, like, the rich kid's house. Mm -hmm. Just with the trees, the way they have it, it really looks like that. But Binghamton's new field is awesome. But I got to mention Jeremiah Jenkins mm -hmm. of Maine, who is also hitting 394. And he's just putting up insane numbers. He's a sophomore with 13 bombs for him. But I want to mention him because he's from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and went to St. Vincent Pilate High School which is in my hometown. So that's really cool to see someone from there doing well. Yeah, he's a, he's a large lad. That guy, that guy is, I know he's not, I don't think he's draft eligible this year, but he's a very, very fun player. That is a, a great shout out there. Um, yeah, Maine, damn, Maine, how about that? And also, they're, they're, they're usually on ESPN+, Plus, right? We got America Beast uh, rocking on ESPN+. Plus. I feel like I've seen Worth a number it. of their games. Worth it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's finish our, our team wrap-up before we head to break and talk about Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Now, <laughs> I mean, Mark Etheridge really, really summed it up about as well as you possibly could uh, in his, his kind of recap uh, from, the, from the, the epic Saturday night game. Um, <laughs> he summed it up as such. Two last-place teams met Saturday, and the game mattered to a whole lot of people. Indeed, Mark NCAA record 16,423 people were at the Dude on Saturday to watch a ridiculously sloppy but delightful 8-7 uh, to seven victory by the Bulldogs. Dakota Jordan with the walk-off single in the bottom of the ninth. Just a, a, a treat of a game that was really possible because of how mid these teams are, <laughs> because of how messy the pitching is. Uh, it just it, it was great. It was great theater. And it was a good reminder that um, while I wouldn't bet on either of these teams to be reaching the postseason this year, uh, they still have some very fun, talented, famous players. And they were able to provide one hell of a show of college baseball. And that was that was just amazing to watch. And it was awesome to see that that the dude was packed anyway, even though these teams are kind of a disaster right now. So <laughs> it was very cool. Mississippi State won the series, so good to see them get that done. All yeah, right, let's just that that whole series kind of felt like it was just won by the fans. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like the two teams are very evenly matched, but you're like, hey, we just ripped open a, a statue of Ron Polk. We got sixteen thousand people here rooting for us. Let's. Let's just pull this one off for them. Let's see what we can do. And a little bit of baseball magic happened. You can't lose a series in front of 16,000 people. That's so mm -mm. embarrassing. Only because it was 16-4-23. If it were 16-4-22. That's true. That last – well, my, my – in terms of the attendance, I'm just curious, like – it was definitely more than 16423. Like <laughs> like when you look at it, it's like I know they're trying to count and, and if you're going for an official NCA record, you have every incentive to count it as accurately as possible. But I feel like looking at it, I'm like that looks like way more than 16423. So, uh shouts I, out to Starkville. That was very cool. I will never believe a specific number of attendance records that are announced at stadiums unless before that happens, I hear someone announce all right, everybody stand still for a little bit. Because <laughs> otherwise, how are we going to know? How are we going to know it was counted? You're right. What Steve said. All righty. Let's take a quick break, and then we will be back to talk about the moments, the players, and Major League Baseball. This week's show is brought to you by In-Game Banana. All right. Thank you to uh, In-Game Banana for uh, sponsoring this here podcast. Just one banana, not number two. Right. No, just, no, just, no, no, no. Okay, one banana. No, Thank you. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> okay, it's sorry, not sponsored by In-Game Bananas. Okay, sorry. Just want to make sure I heard you right. 
Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Thank you to Game Banana for uh, making that, <laughs> making this show possible. We move on to our favorite <laughs> moments of the week. Let's begin on the side of the road with Lehigh University. <laughs> Steve, what am I looking at here? This picture that you tweeted uh, last week. A um, lot of questions. Uh, what, what, what am I looking at? What you're looking at here is uh, Pennsylvania's very fair gas prices. Um, <laughs> we see on the 7-Eleven sign that is illuminating uh, Lehigh's pitchers and catchers throwing bullpens to each other. That gas is only 361 for regular in what I'm assuming is the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. Steve, Diesel's 421. Um, Steve, I could be wrong here. Is there a chance that this is the Joe Biden rest stop in Delaware? I was about to say the same thing. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm looking up a little, oh. little map ski from Coppin State. There is. High. And you see the sign on the far left. I see the sign on the far left. This is a rest stop that we are all very familiar with, I'm sure. And if you Google oh, Maps yeah. through there, I think there is a chance. There is a chance. You know, multiple routes you could, you know, go up through York, through Lancaster and Reading to get back to Allentown. Or, you know, if you're coming from Coppin State in Baltimore, you could just hop right on 95 there and uh, head on through the Joe Biden <laughs> Joe Biden Welcome Center, I believe, right? That's what, what it's Shouts called. out to the Panda Express of the Joe Biden Welcome Center. <laughs> yeah. And I think you are correct, Jake. Now, I think... I have a question here, which is, so, Steve, you said that their bus broke down during a three-hour yeah. drive back from Coppin State, and these, these players are getting some reps in outside the 7-Eleven, okay? Yeah, Slash, just a little bit of light work. Yeah, just some light work. And, and it's always important to do you know a little bit of work after the game just to show everybody how bad you want it. But my question is, did their bus break down at the 7-Eleven? Like, I guess they were getting gas at the Sunoco, and it— Shouts out Sunoco for 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 gas, um, yes for ads, uh, and I I guess that they it was a convenient place for the bus to go kablooey, like the amount of food options you go to the Pret a Manger there, you know they're transforming they're transforming that top of the line that's a good pret. yeah they're transforming yeah, it, that Starbucks into a Dunkin by the way <laughs> well, wow. oh was it, okay All was right. it like we stop here for gas and now we try and start the you know, the bus back up and uh oh, it's not, we're not what, going. What I'd like to imagine is the bus driver, he's driven many buses, many distances. He probably felt something was a little off, goes, you know what? I'm driving past the Joe Biden stop. This is a safe place to go, which I'll get into that in a second. But he, he probably was like, okay, if a bus is going to break down, I'd want it to be broken down here. Now, now, since you guys have mentioned the exact location of where this is, you've jogged my memory to many, many trips in the America East where I've stopped at this very bus stop, whether it was going to the University of Delaware, going to Stony Brook, driving to Binghamton, or even driving to Maine. But every time we would get off the bus, Colin Stack, an outfielder, would remind me that the number one place to get kidnapped or like human trafficked is it is a rest stop like this so good on the lehigh baseball players for having a camera out ready to see something and say something i think i i don't even think they needed to get this working i think it was all a ploy of hey we're actually kind of scared but we're going to put on a brave face because we're college ball players we're going to fake it till we make it no one's ever been kidnapped while doing catcher drills it, it's a proven fact it's the receiving it's they can see if you yeah. can work from the ground up and stick pitches you're more likely to be a little slippery harder to kidnap so <laughs> they just stay away <laughs> slippery i'm just so glad that we figured this out because i'm i am like 95 percent sure but but they can let us know if we're wrong and you were that's not the rest stop you were at um lehigh baseball team please they let win? us know again you can did they win that this. game this uh, this picture, yeah, is this after beating Coppin State or is this after an L? You can your bus breaking down after an L is. Oof. So yeah, no. I have it right in front of me. One sec, they did beat Coppin State eight to two. Right. So okay, good I just vibes. wanted to say yeah. But if you want to see this great photo uh, again at Big Donkey forty seven, we move on to our next moment, and this is our real big discussion of the week. 
before we highlight some players. Uh, Steve, we had some what the NCAA refers to as excessive celebration. I don't know what they officially call it in the rule book, but we, as we know, coming into this year, we started getting hints of it last year, right? We had the um, Bryson Worrell home run at ECU last year where the umpire pushed him. He was taking too much time to get out of the box. So the umpire gave him a little little, little nudge nudge, like, hey, buddy, let's get moving down the line here. We've had many instances, I mean, I've seen this all the times this year, where team hits a big home run and the guys come out of the dugout. And the, the way the umpires react to telling the guys to stay in the dugout makes you think like there's some sort of venomous snake on home plate, like, get back. This is not safe. You are endangering your lives and others by taking another step forward. That is what they make you feel like when the umpires are reacting. So we know that they're trying to crack down on fun. They're trying to crack down on props. They're trying to crack down on emotions. For the most part, we think this is very silly. So, Steve, tell us what happened uh, down in Gainesville. Um, I believe this was today against the Georgia Bulldogs for the Florida Gators. Yeah, so here we have Brandon Neely on the mound, who's the best bullpen arm for the Florida Gators in an SEC rubber match, I'll mention. With runners in scoring position, he gets a big strikeout to end the inning. He's coming off the mound. He does a little flex. You know, not not like a big pull the arm up to 90 degrees and flex the bicep, just like two fists down, kind of kind of yell, kind of a flex. He immediately gets tossed. Umpire's like, no, no, we'll have none of that. And from what I've heard, it was a chippy game to begin with, which it's a Sunday in the SEC. Each team is playing to win the series. It it better be chippy or you're at the most boring baseball game in the history of baseball. And it it's just one of those things where, again, I think it's stupid because baseball is such an emotional sport. So, like, letting those emotions out, not bottling them up, is always a good thing. And when you share your emotions – they whether people like it or not those emotions rub off on other people they can feel that energy it's palpable and so i think it's stupid to toss guys who do this but then immediately following the ejection in the next inning i believe or some sometime shortly after jack caglione hits his 21st home run which was his second home run of the day and it's the old four-pointer, gives him a little grand slam, you know, it's it's cool. And I have never hit a collegiate home run. I've only hit a double play, which I even then I felt pretty cool, felt something there. If I hit a grand slam in an SEC rubber match, it might take me 48 minutes to get around the base path because I will be just dancing, doing somersaults, who knows what I'll be doing. But it'll take a while, and I'll let people know about it. He just keeps his arms by his side and, like, quickly brushes past all of his teammates who are trying to give him big high fives, and he's just, no, nope, got to get back to the dugout, making sure not to get excessive and especially not to celebrate or let the umpire or anyone know that he is indeed happy about the fact that he just hit a baseball so far and so hard that the defense could do nothing about it other than watch and then watch him trot around the bases, which, call me crazy, I think that should be celebrated. So I like it when the best players have a sense of humor. We have so many goofy mm-hmm. things happening in college baseball all the time, but very often they're like random schlubs who are just doing funny stuff. And so when like Jack Caglione, who could be a top you know, round pick in the draft next year, who is a two-way megastar, is, you know, ripping out jokes. Two thumbs up from this shirtless guy. <laughs> totally and, agree. Um, I wish, I, I guess I didn't see, <laughs> he should have walked like this around the all the bases. <laughs> I assume he was trotting. <laughs> Ironically, he probably would have been punished for that. Which is funny too, because it's like you can't win. It's like if you're you, you don't want to run too enthusiastically, but you also don't want to like there's it's it's all so goofy. So it, I yeah, I think if he ran like that and he got ejected for it, it would be like he couldn't just go anywhere. He would have to go to a Hot Topic or a Spencer's because it, just no one would be understanding him. I feel like <laughs> it it would be like an identity crisis for him of like what can I do, but. 
I feel like with so many of the star athletes, they're all worried about like, oh, what'll scouts think about this? What'll what'll scouts think about like if I make jokes during baseball? I've talked to plenty of scouts. They don't they don't care. If you ball, you ball. Plain and simple. Be don't be don't be scared of being a fun person too, because of what scouts think. Because that that's a scary world of baseball to get into. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, however, there was one other moment that I think we, we wanted to, to review, which was also in the category of, I guess, excessive celebration, which was, again, back to the LSU series. We had Jared Jones, who is amazing. Jared Jones is so big. As far as freshmen go, I know we had Tommy White just last year, right? As a true freshman, large, large lad, hitting the shit out of baseballs to places you could not believe. Jared Jones has really taken that up a notch this year. He is so large. He's hitting, even with the juice balls, he's hitting them in ridiculous parts of the ballpark. And he had another monster home run against Kentucky on Saturday. And this was in the same at-bat that I believe that he uh, ultimately ended up, uh, he, he thought he was getting quick pitched by the Kentucky pitcher. And he launched one, and the camera, which did not really do him any favors by zooming in on him and giving it the, the old slow motion, here you go, everyone can lip read, uh, caught Mr. Jared Jones, he, given, just given the pitcher a, a, a hard time, let's say, uh, verbally. <laughs> um, and uh, let's just say, how, how, should we, how should we say what he said? Steve, what, 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 did, what did Jerry Jones say to his, his, his counterpart on the mound? Um, I believe it was F-U-U-F-N, uh, pushy word. Pushy. Um, yes. He said, you're being <laughs> yeah. pushy. You're t- Yes, you're being pushy, which irritates me as a human, is what he said. Yes, which uh, I love. The person that responded to the video on Twitter at R Savwa said, uh, "Quote: Find your passion. Find yours. Not a lip reading expert, but pretty sure that's what he said. Find your passion. <laughs> Find your passion. Yeah. So that's not what he said. But Jake, um, I I kind of threw this to you as as far as you know. We we're going to talk all the time about these kind of celebrations and these kind of like." What is, what are we cool with? And if you've listened to Jake and I talk about baseball and podcasts for the last 10 years, you know that our usual answer is anything. (laughs) Go crazy, have fun. Uh, And that is, I am still mostly uh, on that side. However, this, for some reason, what struck me about this is that I watched this and I said, I didn't enjoy watching him do that. That was my takeaway. I will enjoy literally any degree of bat flip where someone is celebrating anything and taking 50 years to go around the bases and it is entirely a I am the best look at me, right? That I can I'll take that all 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 year all forever for the rest of my life, right? Some something about this bothered me. Maybe I'm soft. Maybe I am. But this is where I'm at, and I, you guys are my friends, and I trust and I care about your opinion. So I wanted to throw it to you guys, and I wanted to just talk about it. So you make a really good point because there has to be a line somewhere. There has to be. I don't know if this is it. I'm going to talk my way through that. But there has to be a line somewhere. If you hit a home run and you go up to you know the pitcher and you Zinedine Zidane headbutt the guy, <laughs> that's not cool. You can't do that. If you go up to the pitcher and you say a bunch of things about, you know, their mother, their sister, that's probably not cool either, right? And I think that this is probably not cool. And that's the thing, and that's why I don't love this. There is nothing about this where I watch it and I think that Jerry Jones is cooler than he was yesterday. And here is why. He did not make it about himself. Well, actually, let me just give a caveat. This is heat of the moment. And you're going to say things and you're going to be fired up. And, like, I don't think totally. it makes Jared Jones, like, a bad person. No, exactly. Or, right? Like, that's fine. And, We're talking about the, the exact celebration here. Okay, so yeah. he is not making it about himself. He's making it about the pitcher. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay? Saying, fuck you, pushy. Like, that's not about you. Right? right. If he was saying, I'm him. I'm the man. <laughs> that's cool. Whatever. And I don't actually have a problem necessarily with making it about the pitcher. If you're going to say something to the pitcher to put them down, it has to be creative and it has to be funny. Like, it has to have some sting to it. It has to make me laugh or think or chuckle. And this is so lazy. This is boring. So if you're going to step over that line, do it in a way that's actually entertaining 
and not just like an obscenity for the sake of sake. That's the thing. Like I'm not, I, I ain't beefing with trash talk, but like yeah. this to me is not trash talk. This is just yelling at the angry, angrily at the other player, which that's to me is not fun or interesting. But Steve, I would love to know your opinion because I'm sure Steve, that you have come off the mound yelling obscenities before, maybe at batters, right? But I, I want to know where you stand on this because again, we don't all have to agree on this. I just were this is a safe space. Like if you podcast. strike a guy out and you say something like, "Call a cab home," or like, <laughs> you know, "Good try, sport." Like that's funny, right? I once struck a kid out and I said uh, to end a game, it said, "Have a great summer." Okay. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, right. I think that's good. What is your thought and, on this, Steve? Yeah. So, again, I know heat of the moment. You're not always in control of uh, what you're, whatever we can do, talk about how much we should really care about that. But yeah, so I'm curious. So go, go ahead, Steve. I think this is the best way you can handle it. And here's why. Okay. Pitching and hitting is like the most personal thing you can do in sports. Foul shot, uncontested. Three-pointer, sometimes contested, but that's a short thing. You know, people aren't always locked in. So much is happening so fast. Kicking a field goal, there's like 30 guys involved. It's not very personal. I will Pitching, I will, mano Steve, e mano. I, I just want yeah. to say a penalty kick in soccer. <laughs> penalty <laughs> kick in soccer, close, close, but way too short. I, I way get the too point short. you're saying. I, I, I this is a... This is a long, awkward conversation with someone you hate. That's what pitching is. It's it's never really over quick. It's my best against your best. I think mine's always going to win. And so in this instance, Jared Jones, his best was better than the pitcher's best. So all he said was, you know, F you. And this is why I like just the FU because it's in the moment. That's exactly how hitters should respond. The personal damage was the home run. He got disgraced. Everybody has to watch him trot around the bases while while the pitcher stands in the middle like a schlieb who just gave up a home run because that's what happened. So just be more creative. Saying just, just be more creative. No, no, because the homer, creativity hit a homer and say you suck. Like that's hilarious. If you hit a but bob where and the creativity. Where the creativity comes in, that's what lights fires. You say something that pisses someone off too much, then they start playing at elevated level. Yankee Stadium chanted, who's your daddy at Pedro Martinez? He had the best games of his life there. You get them personal, you can activate stuff, you can wake stuff, but if I'm a pitcher and I give up a bomb and someone says F you, it's like, okay, no, that's what you're supposed to do because in this personal contest, you bested me. I... I was the man who lost. You won. You say F you, whatever. Anything beyond that, you're just going to piss me off, and then I'm going to take it out on your friends, which so, it, my form of taking it out was getting outs and pitching better instead of hitting guys because I didn't think that made sense. So the, the other reason why I don't love this, like I, I don't think I hate it enough. I, I don't dislike it as much as Jordan does, I think, but it does leave me wanting more. And it also makes me feel bad for the guys who are getting ejected for doing nothing. So, like, this is something. Whether or not you're for it or you're against it, Steve, like, you have to admit that this is against the letter of the law of what the new hard-ass NCAA bullshit is, right? And so oh, if yeah, we're going to be ejecting guys for, like, flexing, then this, like, deserves, you know, deportation. You know, like, we need to have an even playing field here when we're levying punishment um and so i don't think jared jones should be ejected or punished for this i no, think i think yeah but i think it, it just it's bad pr for everyone else who's celebrating because this is what you, the ncaa thinks everyone else is doing exactly i think that's yeah, what i'm getting at is that i don't i am so bothered when so much of it has become about like as many people say this is true in lb2 right like is 95% of the time, it is very much a celebration with your team, right? That is it. And I will literally never be calling that out ever. There is no such thing as excessively celebrating with your team. But if the NCAA wants to actually come down on something that would appear to be escalating something and it is a directed at an opponent, then this would appear to be that. I'm not saying I want anyone to get ejected under any reasons, but like 
to Jake's point, that's where the inconsistency bothers me. So, anyway. Yeah. But I appreciate so, your perspective, Steve. So, you guys know me. You guys know I have a master's with a focus in how the NCA is kind of structured and all that and all higher education. So, in my infinite wisdom, I have what I believe to be a solution to all of this, okay. which I I think it's the perfect solution in my mind because, one, it'll get good press for the NCAA two provide great content and three it'll it'll be easier for everyone to understand what's going on so what what i need from the ncaa is i need them to standardize what's allowed and what's not and like clearly written because we're ball players we will find loopholes we will find different things that we are able to say and do but i think if the ncaa just created a twitch account and streamed a few of their you know, old head decision makers talking like, yeah, no, we can't have guys saying F you, you, and then just countless expletives after that, just naming all the bad words we can't say. One, it'll be a funny video that will get a lot <laughs> right. of views, a lot of clicks on. Uh, I'd share it on Twitter a lot, probably. Um, so good press there. Um, you might lose some people who are like, we don't like swear words, but at the end of the video, you wrap them back and say, just a reminder, we don't we don't like these swear words. I don't like the F word. We're just saying it so people know they can't say it. And then and then everybody knows the standard that they're gonna be held to. I, I think it's a perfect way to kind of solve the whole issue of not knowing what we can and can't do. I think I love it. I honestly love this idea. Right, because then it's like, well, it was in the video. Sorry. You're out of here. <laughs> it's like, I know, it's a 55-minute video just of horrible things to say, but do I, I totally, think I totally that it could totally negatively agree. be spun and be used by middle schoolers as right. ways to learn new insults? Maybe, potentially, but that's the risk we run. Uh, thank you for, uh, for, for, for indulging me in that conversation, Steve. I appreciate your perspective. We move on now to our Players of the Week. We're going to fly through these since we're going pretty long. There's one name at the top of this list I don't know too much about. I might know something about it. Steve, tell me about Nash Bryan. I think I know what you're going to talk about, but go ahead. Tell me about Nash Bryan. Nash Bryan made me sad because he plays for Pitt and pitched really well against my friends at Virginia mm, this weekend. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, he He's just kind of a disgusting closer. He's got really good stuff, like... He was throwing the Greg Maddox two-seam pitches inside the lefties like at a really alarmingly high rate with a lot of success. But he kind of throws from like a parallel to the ground arm slot. But I was really impressed by him. I think he's definitely a relief pitcher to keep an eye out on. He's got a 3-4-6 ERA right now, but it, it's steadily declining, so... I was impressed with him. I got to tip my cap, give credit where credit's due, even though I didn't like who it was done unto. Fair enough. D2 dominant at Seton Hill in the legendary PSAC. And now he's doing it at Pitt. So shouts out to Nash Bryan, who sounds like a country singer. We move on to Charlie Condon. Charlie Condon, one of the weird, probably one of the bigger stories of the season. I know George is not great. But Charlie Condon, who took a regular old red shirt last year, he was like, I'm not ready to play baseball yet. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for I'm this. I'm not ready and for this. this. This year, he said, I'm ready for this. <laughs> and now <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is one of the best. Yeah, they said when Charlie Condon uh, got, to, got to Athens, they said, y'all ready for this? He said, no. <laughs> not quite, <laughs> but I will be later. Later, I will be very, I will be extremely ready. Fast forward to uh, 36 games into the season. This mofo is hitting 450 with 16 home runs. And how do you guys feel about him being in the running for freshman of the year? I mean, that like, kind of seems like a no-brainer. Oh, no. Well, be. okay. Do you think do you think that that is fair uh, to compare him with Ethan Petrie since he yes. took a year yes. because he was – okay. This is I like mean, a it's version still, of it is, the is, – you know, is Jose Abreu eligible for rookie of the year? It's not, it's not quite the same thing. This is much more uh, legitimate, I feel like. But uh, some people are being like, this is a little goofy. Um, but 
I think if he's better than Ethan Petrie, it's still his well, first year in college baseball. So, I mean, you look at his career stats. This is the only year that has numbers <laughs> next to true. it. So that's, that's my true. criteria. No, he is. He's he in. Is, <laughs> he is a freshman. That is fair. But he is amazing. Yeah, had a had a three homer game against Florida and will be uh, very 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 well uh, discussed next year's in next year's draft. But yes, shouts out to Charlie Condon. Um, but Jake, I know you also are, are into Ethan Petrie. I mean, both of these guys have been amazing. He's my favorite thing about Ethan Petrie is that people were like in in high school it was like yeah he's kind of a better as a pitcher. It's like is he? I seems pretty hard to believe. I, this guy seems pretty good with the with the old bat. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Yeah, no, I'd like to see him pitch just because I'm all for two-way action. But mm. let me tell you, they have him listed at 6'4 on their website, but he does not – that that can't be a right number. Like, he does not look like he's actually 6'4 when he's on my TV screen. Like, he, he looks significantly bigger than everybody else he's playing against, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like – he, he could play against Jake Barry, which is the tallest human I've ever seen in my life. He's six foot ten. And I like they would look shoulder to shoulder somehow. I don't understand it. Um, but he's very fun to watch play baseball. I mean, hitting a bunch of home runs as a freshman against, you know, okay competition, that's one thing. But hitting a bunch of home runs against teams like LSU which our friends at D1 Baseball say are the best team in the nation, that, that's a little bit more impressive to me. I would, I would agree with that. Uh, let's stick with the two-way players, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Newest two-way player, um, Kemp Alderman, who hit a ball over the scoreboard against Alcorn State and then went on the mound and touched 94, which I had no idea about this. I... I tweeted about him, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then I got a message from Thomas Dillard, who said his midweek bullpen looked incredible, which Thomas Dillard's an Ole Miss alumni, so he's reliable source here. And it, it's just crazy. I didn't even know this was going on, and it was just – I feel like it was snuck upon him. I, I just don't know. What I want to know about Kemp pitching is like – so this was midweek against – against uh Alcorn State right but Ole Miss has had <laughs> clearly had trouble on the mound and what I'm wondering is like okay um is he really one of your worst options and if if Ole Miss can miraculously get their season back on track which I'm not exactly betting on because they're about to play LSU <laughs> this coming weekend um and can get back in the mix like let's see Kemp do it you know against the big dogs not that he's going to need that to get drafted but Look good enough. I mean, let's. Yeah, and I think the best part about all of it was the Ole Miss social team, which has been doing a great job this year. They posted some really funny stuff. Um, they interviewed all the rest of the players about Kemp's outing, and you can tell who the pitchers were who were like, "God, I give it a four out of twenty because it was bad." It's like no, it's just kind of good, and it kind of pisses us off as pitchers that he could just kind of step up and throw ninety four from the mound. But I, I thought it was a really good, really good video. I thought it was really funny, and I think, I think more players should have honest judges panels after their outings, just of their peers, because, you know, sometimes you have a bad outing and you're like, man, I wonder what my teammates think of me. Well, if we had the America Idol judges panel waiting for you as you came off the mound, after walking the house and giving up three nukes you'd know exactly how they felt about you. And I think I think that transparency could be good for teams. Golden ticket. Mm. Go to Hollywood. <laughs> um, all right, Steve, we're going to finish up here. Ready for this transition? You're, you're, you're not ready for this one. Um, actually, first, you tell me uh, – no, we'll, we'll, we're going to finish with this one. Uh, Steve, who did you play for in the summer? You played for uh, – what was that team uh, played over there, Charlie Povich? Uh, what were they called? Uh, the Bethesda Big Train. So 2021, the Bethesda Big Train uh, went 27-8. and eight. They were led by Kemp Alderman, of course, uh, who hit eight home runs that year. Um, but also on that team was, first of all, Rocco Pepe was on this team. So already, I mean, you know, the all-big donkey squad right there. So we love to see that. But also on that team 
was a gentleman named Nolan Shanuel. Uh, and Nolan Shanuel is having the most ridiculous season that absolutely nobody is talking about. And I think it is time we talk about it. Because sure, he does not play in the Power Five. Sure, Florida Atlantic in Conference USA maybe is not, you know, the best of the best of the best competition. But obviously, you know, still a, a top 10 conference, clearly, right? And Nolan Shanuel is leading this great nation in OPS. He has officially surpassed one Dylan Cruz. Wow. And that feels like something that we should be discussing. Now, how do you have a higher OPS than Dylan Cruz? Well, it's very simple. You draw a ridiculous amount of walks, you never strike out, and then now you start hitting uh, for more power than you even have to this point. And Nolan Shanuel, as we uh, sit here and record this on, on Sunday night, is currently hitting a cool 455, 602, 911, 14 homers, 35 walks, just 12 strikeouts. And he, which is uh, cool for a 1,500-plus a uh, OPS, which is not bad at all. But this is a hell of a season. I'm very fascinated by this guy because he, on the Cape last year, he played for Hyannis. Um, who, did, who did you play for again, Steve? You were, you were... I played for the Katuit Kettleers. The Katuit Kettleers, played right. against so, Hyannis often. There you go. But it, it, with, at Hyannis, he had uh, 24 walks, 24 strikeouts, only one home run. So his cape was not amazing. But since he's been at FAU, he's been one of the best hitters in college baseball. And so, you know, and defensively, you know, he's, he's a corner outfielder, whatever. But, or first baseman. But I'm very curious what this is. What, where do you draft this guy? Because I, I don't really know what else you want him to do um, statistically. And uh, I, I just don't know. It's a very interesting profile. And uh, he's now almost at double the walks of strikeouts in his career. And now he's got pop two. So shouts out to Nolan Shanuel, who, as, as it stands now, would, would be, you know, the, the national OPS champion. So shouts out to you, Nolan. Uh, Steven Shock. We did it. We did a podcast. We did it. We did. How's it feel? It feels good. Feels good. Uh, Steve, tell me about the hat you're wearing, and then let's say goodbye. Um, this hat I'm wearing, it's uh, got a smiley face on it. it. says college baseball is rad. I made it with my own two hands. Well, I ordered all the parts, but assembled it. There's a little rope on it that I sewed in myself. As you can see, you guys can see it. The listeners can't. Pretty clean slope sewing lines, right? So yeah. it's a new one. I, yeah. I hadn't seen that, but it seems like Big Donkey Brand's going great. We're very, very. Uh, I, I see. It feels like I should probably order something. That seems like I'm being a bad friend. No, um, no, no, no. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's great to see all the hats that you've been been making with your own two hands. Very proud of you. Thanks. Good job. And, Good job, Steve. And it, it's been uh, great to be back Thanks, here guys. podcasting with with both you gentlemen. Steve, so. didn't you have something to say about Major League Baseball before we left? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I, oh I, forgive me. I almost forgot. There's uh, very notes brief. here. Uh, we, you know, Steve. All you know, Jake and I spend most of our time talking about Major League Baseball for a living. But on the rundown here, which we do indeed prepare, I know hard to believe. It says <laughs> Steve put on here. Stephen Shock breaks character and acknowledges that MLB exists briefly. So, Steve, take it away. We have no idea what this is about, uh, but go ahead and tell us that uh, MLB is real. Time to rip the bandaid off. Um. Step out from behind the curtains and see the real world. I'm going to try to do it quick without okay. vomiting. <laughs> um, congratulations to Zach Neto on getting called up to the Angels. That's very cool. He was in a lineup that featured Ty Babin last year, and now currently on April 16th, he is in a lineup that features guys like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. So that's really cool. That's an awesome thing. I have no idea how he moved up so fast. Not because he's not plenty talented, but because I don't understand the MLB. But even for a guy like me who doesn't understand it, that felt pretty fast. Um, but shouts out to him. That's incredible. That's awesome. Obviously, the goal of all these guys in college baseball is to ultimately get to that level. So, wow! He, congrats to Zach on that. Oh, my God. He admitted it. <laughs> He admitted. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, yeah. He just assumes when they get drafted, they just disappear into the void. <laughs> they go, they go away to upstate to the farm upstate. 
Uh, well, usually, but this kid just shot right through it. Steve, I love this shout out. Totally, totally accurate. And also something that we will probably be talking about on our MLB podcast tomorrow. So thank you for the reminder to add Zach Neto to our Barbacast rundown. But until next week, maybe we'll do uh, some midweek uh, shock factor action. We'll see. But um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Jake Mintz. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more uh, uh, concern about the University of Tennessee. All right. Goodbye.